Greetings, this is Cody Cook, and you're listening to the Cantus Firmus Book Club, and we have actually as our guest the author of the book that we'll be discussing. Uh, Josh Larson is the co-host of the radio show and podcast Film Spotting. He's the author of Movies or Prayers, which is what we'll be discussing now, uh, and he's the editor, editor and film critic at Think Christian. He's been writing and speaking about movies professionally for more than two decades. His career began in the newspaper business, where he started out as a beat reporter for a weekly community newspaper and went on to become the film critic for the Chicago-based Sun-Times Media for more than 10 years. So, uh, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Cody. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I really appreciate the fact that uh, you're here and and discussing this book. It was uh, a really interesting and fun read for me and uh, a topic that's close to my heart. Movies or Prayers was the result of you recognizing that, and this is a quote from the book, the very things we had been expressing in prayer as a faith community were also, in a less liturgical way, being expressed on the screen, end quote. Can you explain what that means? Sure. This was an idea that slowly dawned on me as I had just that experience. I'd be watching a film and be... I'd be feeling lament, you know, the movie would be offering lament. And so I would be experiencing that alongside the film. And I would say, you know, this feels an awful lot like those times in church when we've been participating in lament through liturgy or prayer. Uh, And similarly in my own prayer life, when I've just thrown things up to God, you know, and and said, I I don't know what else to do. That sort of expression of lament Um, was being echoed in some of the films I saw. And you could say the same for other expressions of prayer, whether it's confession or praise. And so I started to explore that a little further and look at particular films where that worked and then kind of thought, well, I I wonder if this is a, a sort of framework that could be brought to movies across a larger range. And at that point, it did kind of become a book project. Gotcha. Now, for people who are listening who haven't read the book, you organize the book into chapters which highlight different types of prayers that movies could correspond to, like prayers of praise, prayers of yearning, lament, anger, confession, etc. And, uh, for instance, you highlight uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, Roman Plansky's Chinatown, and Richard Lester's A Hard Day's Night. And, uh, and this is a quote from the book. Each of these films, in their own distinct way, offers a response to the two great existential questions that we ask of God almost every day. What do I make of this place? Why am I here? Uh, Chinatown answers with a lament. A hard day's night rejoices. Do the right thing seethes. Then unexpectedly reaches for reconciliation. Each offers a prayer. End quote. I'm interested in the notion that even films made by the non-religious uh, point to God and highlight an inward longing for him that we all ha- have. It uh, kind of reminded me of uh, C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle uh, in the Narnia series where Aslan says that the service rendered with a pure heart to the pagan god Tash in the book series would be considered as rendered to Aslan. Um, and uh, so c- can you kind of elaborate on how even so-called uh, pagan films could glorify God? And, and how does this affect the notion that we need a distinct Christian film industry, which is safe for us and, of course, our families to consume? Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, Lewis is obviously a touchstone for this sort of thinking. Um, someone else who has influenced me a lot is the Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper. And one idea he wrote about was that of common grace. Uh, so that the understanding that God has gifted all of humankind with uh, creative abilities, and as a result of that, his truth can be found in the works that uh, those people make as well. So I really did want to largely focus the book on films that would, at first glance, be considered secular, 
Um, I, I do talk about a couple that are explicitly religious in theme or have religious characters, but I would say most of the movies I discuss don't. Uh, and, and that was, you know, specifically because that's been my experience with film. Uh, those are the movies that I've grown up and loved and, and studied. Uh, I, I don't really have a lot of experience in the, uh, the faith-based film industry. So that was uh, kind of what... Uh, kind of what led me down that path. And yeah, it's, I, I, what was the second part of your question about that relates to the to faith-based films? Yeah, yeah. So th- I was kind of talking about there's this sort of notion that, that we need a distinct Christian film industry, which is safe for us and, and our families to consume. And uh, I, I wonder how, how you sort of look at that, how, you know, coming from perspective where you, you've written this book about uh, how secular films serve in a sense as prayers. Yeah, yeah. So that goes back to to the way I was, uh, just the way I've always engaged art was not out of a position of fear um, or a a position of wariness. I didn't grow up in a house um, that was like that. We, you know, my parents were certainly discerning about what they let us watch when we were kids and guided us along that path. But the place we started from was uh, one of appreciation for art and, again, that creativity that um, was being reflected. So uh, it, it just wasn't a posture I knew how to take. I, I, early on you know, in college, when I was starting to explore opportunities for writing about film, uh, and this would have been in the culture war, so the late 90s, uh, the only opportunities that I came across, at least, in terms of faith-based film writing was that fearful, protective arena. So expecting to count the swear words or very content-obsessed. Uh, and I didn't really know how to do that. So I ended up gravitating towards mainstream media where engagement with the art came first. And it's, it, it took me a while you know, uh, to, to figure out, okay, now that I am going to write about films from a Christian perspective, when I joined Think Christian, which was 2011, what does that look like? How do I do, you know, I knew how I didn't want to do it, but how, how do I want to do it? And I think that some of the training I received in the reform tradition, um, you know, where I, I did learn about someone like Kuiper, kind of helped form that approach for me and then led to, to the book, which is, is kind of my best attempt yet at doing that, at, at taking this different posture towards art, one of appreciation, still discerning, um, but first allowing the art to speak and then bringing my faith lens to it. Yeah, well, and I was interested in, in your reference to, to Kuiper and because and, um, it seemed to me that what you were doing in the book was, it actually made me think of Van Til, uh, the, sort of the presuppositional reformed uh, theologian, although I think you have a posture toward culture that uh, is, is I, I'd say, less uh, uh, caustic, maybe. Um, <laughs> but in Van Til, you have this sort of notion that, um, you know, there's there's not necess- there's not like a renegade molecule in the universe, that everything uh, that is in us sort of points to God in some way, shape, or form, and that uh, you know, some of us just haven't realized it yet. Um, yeah, and yeah. so that, that was yeah. I think the sovereignty of God is another principle um, that that we're touching on here too. Is that mm-hmm. you know the understanding that God is sovereign overall. Uh, this isn't to baptize all of culture, uh, but to find something in between doing that and locking it away in a closet and and throwing away the key. Yes, 
there's, I think, some some usefulness in, in thinking through these ideas of, of, of what that relationship could look like. And um, you, you wear different hats, as we talked about. You know, you're uh, you're at Think Christian as an editor and, and, and um, film critic, uh, and you also are on the radio show and podcast Film Spotting, uh, which is an actually to- totally awesome podcast. I, I, I listened to that before, um, the, when you guys had discussed the film It. Uh, before I went to see it with my wife, and it, it kind of colored the way I looked at it because you had a lot of insights that I hadn't really thought through. What is what does it look like when you know? Because you listen to film spotting, and you don't necessarily, um, you know, it, it's not a a Christian podcast. So you know that does bring that sort of question to to my mind is you know how do you approach your work in these different venues, whether it's you know you know Chicago Sun Times or, or film spotting where they, where they aren't explicitly Christian how, how do you uh, approach those things as a Christian um, what does that look like yeah it, it's something I've kind of experienced on the fly rather than set out with a, a certain strategy because as I mentioned you know the first bulk of my career was in mainstream media then joined think Christian and a year after doing that, you know, it felt sort of like a turning point to me. Okay, here I, I'm going to move into full time Christian media. Didn't know what that would what that would mean career wise. But a year after doing that, uh, had the opportunity to join Film Spotting, which was right back in the middle of mainstream media again, as you mentioned. So what I've learned as I've gone along is that it really is a matter of respecting your audience and knowing who it is who's reading or listening and what they have come to this place for. So for Think Christian, uh, it's specifically culturally engaged readers who are already swimming in this stuff, are well-versed in pop culture, and are looking for fellow enthusiasts to appreciate pop culture through the lens of their faith. So we're clearly going to bring that faith angle to everything we do. Now, film spotting is very different. It's uh, a gathering of movie enthusiasts across the board. So they're not looking for that faith lens. There may be times where it's appropriate to bring that up, like when we do our top five Christ figures or we did our you know, top five religious experiences at the movies. But that's not what listeners are regularly looking for. So... I guess what I try to do is is keep that audience audience in mind while still um, you know being myself when speaking to those audiences. So it's not like putting on different masks or even really wearing different hats. It's just speaking with different people. Well, it seems like it, it, I want to say it was Luther who'd sort of said something along the lines of you know to, to be a Christian carpenter is to be a good carpenter. You take the work seriously. You do it well. Uh, you know that that doesn't mean you only build churches. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it seems that notion that, you know, you, you do it well, unless, of course, you're doing something that is inherently, you know, uh, evil or something. Sure. So, um. <laughs> you know, and my understanding, my foundational understanding of that is probably why it never felt odd for me to move into mainstream media at the very beginning mm-hmm. of my career. It, it wasn't like I did that because, you know, I couldn't get into Christian media. Um, it felt just as natural to go into mainstream media because of exactly what you're talking about. Bottom line, um, a Christian vocation is one where you fully honor the gifts God has given you to do your best work. Um, yeah. And so really, you know, uh, you, are, you are doing Christian film criticism 
if you are simply doing that. There may be other layers and levels and ways of doing it, but that's sort of the foundational well, understanding. It's, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I've heard sort of the, the same thing said from two uh, seemingly opposite perspectives where you have a sort of a more puritanical approach to, uh, to aesthetics and art, which looks at it with suspicion. Um, and then there's this sort of other side. I've actually heard an Eastern Orthodox uh, film critic who argued that uh, films could be thought of like icons, and you know, icons and really, you know, our art has this purpose. It's supposed to transcend and point us to God. Uh, but but he sort of came down on a somewhat similar conclusion, which is that you know, uh, because art has has so much power, there's also a certain kind of danger to it, um, which I think is correct. But but on the other hand, a film that I would almost recommend. To, to most Christians who are you know sort of thoughtful and, and film goers would be a movie like Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors, which is he's written it's written from an atheistic perspective, but it points to some of the sort of inherent philosophical issues uh, that sort of stem from looking at the world from this atheistic perspective, where there's no real final justice and it's really just what you can get away with, and it so it's it seems to me that there there's maybe some sort of middle way of, of looking at this and and um, uh, how do you look at at those sort of things? You know, what 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 is it that when we're looking at art, we should be looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly films can be icons. That is, that's definitely one way to look at it. Um, I I'd also say uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors. I favor Woody Allen's later remake, Matchpoint. <laughs> yes, I, it's I, pretty much the same movie. It's yeah. the same movie, but I like Matchpoint so much better. But I I know I'm the I'm an outlier on that. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, so so certainly I would agree with that. Like film, all art can point to God. Obviously, um, that that is true. Uh, I think all art is powerful. And so, you know, danger is a strong word, but we need to recognize and be honest about the influence that it can have over us. Uh, and the way it could form us, maybe, is a better way if we think of this as, as liturgy or practice, even, of movie watching. Um, so we need to be honest about that. And, you know, this is where we can talk maybe more about the discernment question and, and ways we can be honest about how we do discernment. Um, I guess with the book, I, I'm sort of flipping the idea a little bit and saying, okay, yes, movies can point to God. God can speak through movies. Um, these, are, these are very sort of Kuyperian ideas that has become more accepted in recent years. What if also is what I'm suggesting the movies are speaking to God? And so I'm reversing that and saying, first of all, everyone prays you know, with these yearnings that we have, when we ask those questions you mentioned about what is this place and why am I here? Um, you know, an atheist would ask that question. They wouldn't say they're asking it to God, but they're sending it out there. And as believers, we would say, hey, God hears you. You may not believe in him, but he hears you. So if you add that and say, everyone who's creating a movie, these vast teams of creative people who release a movie, they're also asking these questions, sharing these expressions, making confessions, um, pledging obedience, these things we do in prayer. And so then as moviegoers, we're less concerned about, you know, what is this movie gonna do to me? What is it saying? What is the message? And do I agree with the message? And we're more eavesdropping on a prayer. And that's something we should do respectfully. Um, we should listen to what that movie is saying and consider, um, God's listening to that movie. 
So it's our privilege to listen in on this and think about the movie that way. It's not the only way to engage with film, but it's just another way of bringing our faith to that experience. We can look at, as, as you said, as an icon, we can look at films and try to see what God might be speaking through those films. Um, but yeah, we can also look at them as, as ways that they're speaking to God. Sure. Well, and, and I, don't, I don't think the, uh, the discernment issue is, is one of the, the mean ones dealt with in the book, so I, I won't say too much more about that. Apart from, it, it does seem to me that oftentimes when people bring up this issue of discernment and how we should be looking for looking toward Christian films, what they're ultimately saying is that we actually don't want to be discerning. We would rather have something properly, you know, given this marketing label, so that we know it's safe to consume, and uh, you know it doesn't necessarily matter the quality of it or, or you know how, how thoughtful it is or, or you know whether it's completely orthodox or whatever the case may be, um, but you know it feels safe. And, and so it seems that your approach of being a careful and discerning consumer of, of this these sort of you know of art of a film or whatever the case may be uh, is a uh, perhaps a better approach. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know my my limited experience with face based films, I'd say you're right. And I'd also say that um, I think what those films seem to offer are um, maybe more devotional purposes. So for people who are looking for affirmation of their faith, um, for for confirmation of their faith, um, there might be value in those films. Uh, again, I've only seen a handful of them. Uh, I think that devotional value, though, is very different from the way they're sold as evangelistic tools. Uh, I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I just don't believe that they're very effective along those lines. I, I'm sure there are testimonial success stories here or there, um, but at least the few I've seen, they're, they're much more affirming of the audience that comes to see them, uh, which, I said, which again is you know, maybe a worthy purpose. It's not why I go to films. Um, it's mm -hmm. not what I look for in films, but, but who's to say other people um, shouldn't, so. Sure, makes sense. So, um, with, with that, with that all in mind, w w would you encourage Christians to be moviegoers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's one of the <laughs> the things I enjoy most in life is is going to see the movies. And if if people don't, I guess what I would say though is if you don't have a a, a natural affinity for the art form, you know, you're not going to be able to force that. So this isn't the case of, yes, all Christians need to be seeing movies and looking at them this way. Uh, this is more a case of if you do this regularly, whether it's out of entertainment just, you know, or whether it's a, a hobby or is something more like for me an obsession, you know, here's one way to, to enhance that experience. And I, I think this relates to the discernment question too. You know, it just, just as I wouldn't say that it's fair for anyone to put any movie off limits for all Christians, you know, to say this film is is not worthy of viewing by any Christian. I also don't agree that you could say all Christians need to see X movie, right? Because um, there are many reasons people might decide not to engage with films. So, um, so, so you can't really uh, make that sort of um, you know, claim about it. Sure. So what what then would be a couple of your favorite films that you would recommend specifically to Christians to watch and why? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I do include an index uh, in the back of the book because part of the hope was that for those who are interested in this sort of framework and interested in film in general, um, 
would have something of a guide for how to do that. I would say if this is something new where you're just getting used to more on that entertainment spectrum, you know, where you go to films as entertainment, um, maybe you can ease into thinking that thinking of them as something with this sort of spiritual value with like Toy Story, which I include as, you know, a, a film that can function as a prayer of confession. Um, and I have some other more mainstream films as well, something like Bambi I write about and even... You know, I enjoyed writing about, um, you know, and this was in movies as prayers of obedience. This is a, um, a documentary. The name is uh, escaping me right now. Oh, March of the Penguins. Yeah, I knew it was Penguins, mm -hmm. March of the Penguins, which I, which I do really love. And, a, you know, a family classic, too, is in that same chapter, The Black Stallion. So those are all kind of like entry-level ones. And then maybe if you're more of a hardcore um, you can really delve into Hitchcock, which is wonderful to consider almost most of his movies as prayers of confession. You know, Hitchcock, Hitchcock is all about guilt and making the moviegoer feel as guilty as the people <laughs> on screen. And so I think a lot of those, those pictures do work well as uh, prayers of confession. Oh, well, and specifically in the Hitchcock and Confession, um, Vertigo, one of my favorite films, comes to mind because it, it's a film where you know, everybody's guilty of something. And you know, even the person that you sort of feel the most sympathy for and you're supposed to be rooting for, uh, there's a, you, you sort of despise sure. as you're watching the film, near the end of it anyway. You also mentioned a film which, uh, the name is escaping me at, at the moment, um, but it was, I think, specifically about, um, was, it, was it about uh, the relationship between, was it two transvestites? The transgender prostitutes. Um, yeah, was it Tangerine Eve in L.A.? Yeah, Tangerine, one of my favorite films from 2015, and uh, I included that. Um, I included that really under the chapter of movies as prayers of reconciliation. There's just a, this wonderful moment of grace at the end of that film, which I which I won't spoil, but um, it traces the night, a long night in the lives of these two characters who. Um, are really, you know, in, in the dregs trying to survive and just encountering, you know, heartache and abuse and disappointment. And they just share this lovely moment at the end, which really moved me. The director, Sean Baker, actually, his new film is opening in limited release uh, this Friday. It's The Florida Project. Um, has Willem Dafoe in it and similarly just looks at these lives on the margin with um, a hugely empathetic and humanist heart uh, and, and is well worth seeking out if it's playing anywhere near you. The, the new one is The Florida Project. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was kind of interested that that, that was the, the Tangerine was a movie that you'd mentioned because it does seem to me that in a lot of cases Christians, we try to insulate ourselves, and that's part of this whole notion of having a Christian film industry, is that we, we sort of feel that empathy could be dangerous. And, and I, I guess in a sense it can, but, but, but it's also, I mean, incredibly important, it seems to me. Um, and, and, and I, was, I, I appreciated that that, that that was a film that you not only mentioned, but that you, uh, you know, gave some details of and, and sort of talked about um, that sort of idea of reconciliation that's in the film and, and how there's something we could, we could get out of it as Christians watching it. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, if I think 
thinking of empathy as dangerous, I think probably what someone means there, if they were to believe that, is that empathy is uncomfortable <laughs> because um, absolutely it's going to be uncomfortable. That is that is the first step, but that is also why it's empathy. Um, and and it's, it's hard to think of, you know, a way being empathetic is is in the at the end of the day going to harm you? Well, I think what sometimes people see in films is that um, because you are everything is sort of put together to, to to get you to you know be in the shoes of the main character to identify with what they're going through. Um, that I think there's sometimes a concern that it will make you know sin or whatever seem um, you know seem you know understandable or acceptable or that you would justify it in some way. And I think that's what I think some people see as a danger. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess there's a distinction between, um, you know, a lot of times film critics will talk about the distinction between depiction and endorsement. And I think that's a that's a fine line that is often overlooked. Um, if you look at so many, another another kind of mainstream film that I include, Trainwreck, um, which is Amy Schumer, raunchy, raunchy sex comedy. Um, but I include as a, a, a prayer of confession, because if you watch what that movie is, it's a deeply moral movie. And, and some, you know, uh, some critics called it out for that and said it was even, you know, conservative and couldn't believe <laughs> how old fashioned this movie was. Um, because it tells this story of this woman who's deeply unsatisfied by her hedonistic a lifestyle. It's not a shaming movie, though, however. This is one of the things I loved about it. Rather than um, hypocritically punishing her at the end, which most movies do, it instead offers her a vision of a better life that comes in true rela- true relationship, you know, where, where there's something more to a sexual relationship than just the act itself. Um, and so that just, it, it took me aback that this was in a mainstream movie. Now, some people might say, well, Amy Schumer is funny. She's the star of the movie. We laugh at all these comic scenes where there are things which we might consider, um, you know, not right. But does that mean that the movie is endorsing that? Um, you know, to, to my mind, the movie was doing the opposite. So it's it's being open to that distinction in films that I think is important. Well, and I think too, even sometimes when you're seeing something being endorsed that's where that discernment turns on. And, and I think you can, you can sometimes say, well, you know, maybe I'm watching something being endorsed in a film that I don't totally agree with, but at the same time, I'm getting some insight into where, you know, other humans who come from different experiences than I do might be going through. Yeah. So, um, so let me give you an example where like, you know, I come out on the other end because it most often I find myself defending things that people will find questionable, <laughs> but, um, Recently, you know, I entered the world of the Kingsman movies. I don't know if you've seen these two. Um, I didn't see the first one. These are kind of the modern, updated Bond movies um, with Colin Firth. And I just found the first one more so than this new second one, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, but both reprehensible. There is, uh, I describe them as pro-death. Um, the, and this was well before the, you know, the shooting in Vegas that I saw these movies and now they even strike me as more so just the, the glee and the amount of the body count in these films and the glee that it took in, um, creative ways of basically dismembering and, um, the human body. Uh, it's just awful. 
And that's something where I find, you know, yes, it is endorsement and um, is worthy of being called out. Now, uh, here's the curious thing. That's not going to upset many Christian audiences. I'm painting with a bit of a broad brush here, but um, because it doesn't involve what? Sex, right? Violence is not as, um, it just it just doesn't come as close of a microscope. But those, those are recent movies where absolutely I would uh, come on the discerning in my discernment, I come out and saying there's not much of worth here. Yeah. Well, and uh, so just kind of one final question. (laughs) Um, As someone who makes his living reviewing the works of others, have you read the reviews of your book? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's, it's even weirder because on Amazon, right. They, they do a star rating system. (laughs) So here I've been for, you know, over two decades now giving stars to, to things and I have to look at a star rating for the book. Um, yeah, I've, I've read some of them. Um, not everything. It's, it's certainly, you know, altered my perspective of what it might be like to read reviews of a film. If you were a director or an actor or something like that. And it's, it makes me a little queasy to be honest with you. So, so that's been, uh, yeah, that's been kind of eye opening. Well, yeah, well, and I, I will say for the listeners, most of the reviews are, are, I've read are very positive, the vast majority of them, but you'll come across a handful here and there, well, maybe an atheist who, uh, you know, enjoyed you on, on film spotting, and some of them, you know, say positive things, and some say, ah, I really thought this was going to be more, you know, generically spiritual, and it wasn't that, you know. Yeah, I've been fortunate that yeah, most of the response has been good, and and like you said, including from people who wouldn't be who wouldn't consider themselves believers, and that's been um, you know really encouraging to see that they were even open to to a perspective on film like this. That's awesome. Well, so Josh, if if somebody wanted to get a hold of your book, where would they go? And if someone wanted to hear film spotting, where would they find that? Yeah, so you can find it on Amazon, but I know it is in a few independent bookstores as well. So if you have a favorite um, favorite place like that, do look for it there first. And Film Spotting, you can find it where you find any other podcasts. Uh, we're easily searchable. And Think Christian, our website is thinkchristian.net. We've got a great pop culture primer we just released this week, which is an ebook looking at um, five worthy titles in the categories of music, movies, graphic novels, video games, and television. So if you're unfamiliar with Think Christian, that's sort of a great introduction, this pop culture primer, and you can get that for free. So look for it at thinkchristian.net. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Okay. Thank you, Cody.